0: Access some boring subjects.
1: Understand the risks to our country.
0: Freedom brings people together.
1: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians
0: Network.
2: Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the program. My name is Chris Spangle. It is so great to have you here today. And we are going to be talking about Ukraine. What is happening in Ukraine? Why did uh, Putin Poot invade Ukraine um, what's all this about neo-nazis and drug addicts and there's just so much to this uh so we've got a an all-star panel of people to come to you to talk about it today so stay tuned we'll be right after this
3: warning this
2: show is for adults by semi-adults so the language is sometimes strong and offensive
3: Ah,
4: uh,
2: I don't know what I said, uh. Welcome to The Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. There are times where I am uh, I haven't had a chance to do many research shows over the last few months for many re- many reasons but I've been obsessed with this for a week and so I've got so many things I want to say and I am hoping that any of the co-hosts today that are joining us will be able to get a, wor- a word in edgewise. I'm very full of knowledge. Um Speaking of full of something, Harry Price is here, our perma-co-host, the beloved Harry Price. Say hello to the people.
4: Hi, everyone. Uh, it's going good on my end, uh, fresh off of doing, uh, like, what, two low-key wall episodes versus a, versus Spangle. Massively Spangle. productive, yeah.
2: Also here is sometimes co-host, Trisha Stewart-Mann, the lovely host of Gingerarchy, the well-read Host of Gingerarchy today, she will be representing the Peace at Any Cost Brigade. Uh, so what
1: a strange statement.
2: We're we're glad to have her her here. Uh, foreign policy is definitely her specialty and and close to her heart. Uh, Reinhold will be along. He's got some work today. He'll be here, and he will be stressed out to find out that we have a member of the Mises Caucus on the show today. Mac, thanks for joining us, longtime listener. First time uh, guest on the program, an obsessive Ukraine Ukrainian war watcher. You've been tweeting out all kinds of great stuff uh, over the last few days, really. Have you gotten any sleep or are you just watching the bombs fall?
0: I slept a little bit last night. Not too much. But yeah, every time I think I'm going to sleep, I roll over. I'm like, I wonder what's happening now. And then <laughs> it's another two hours. I'm like, I should go to sleep because my eyes are vibrating. it's you know it's
2: i'm a news junkie so i i love talking on this show about current events and and covering the news and all that and you get a subject like this and just watching what's going on trying to figure out what's going on researching what happened all the i mean what is like what draws you your interest to it mac
0: it started in the initial invasion 2014 um I credit Vice for having some pretty good on-the-ground reporting. Um, I had already been looking at some of the Arab Spring stuff on Twitter and things, and found that you know there's a lot that you can glean from information from social media, not just people posting cat photos. So Vice, really, I don't I don't know why exactly. It's just it was one of the few examples, other than the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan, of a war essentially being distributed through social media Um, and vice had some really good reporting on that. And actually to the detriment of some, some forces because Ukraine or um, sorry, Russia kept trying to deny that they had anybody in Ukraine. Meanwhile, their soldiers are posting on Instagram and Russian social media with geotags. yeah. you know, yeah. So it's, uh, it just kind of captivated my interest. I fell off for a little bit because it, Calm down in air quotes. Um, and they sort of had a s- supposed ceasefire, even though they've been shelling each other back and forth for eight years, essentially, um, in smaller skirmishes and Russia has been, you know, amassing stuff on the border for a while. It's just picked up recently. Um, and I actually didn't think Russia was going to invade, to be honest, um, Not many people
2: did, and if they did, everybody thought that it was. So let me, let me kind of break down for what's happening. But first, I want to thank our patrons. Uh, I have been calling our patrons. I've talked about uh, 10, 15 of them so far, and it has been so much fun to get to talk to the people that support this program, hear why they support us, um, to a person, the thing that they like most is that we break down current events and that we are helping them understand the news in a nonpartisan way. We're not Team Red. We're not Team Blue. Um, and we try to be fair, even though we come from a libertarian perspective. And the thing that they don't like is too long. <laughs> so uh, we're, we'll, we'll work on that. Uh, we want to especially thank our $100 a month members, John Pusilo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jakey Dell... Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Um, so, if you've been living under a rock, this is, let me just give like a summation of what is happening. Uh, like everything that happens in history, it doesn't just start at one point in time. Like, Vladimir Putin didn't just roll tanks into this country. He he has had, uh, like Mac said, a long build up over time over many years he has invaded uh ukraine previously in crimea and so what is the relationship between the ukraine and russia uh in the beginning of the soviet union ukraine had a separatist movement and there were many other countries in the soviet union we tend to think of the soviet union as like one big block and that's not how the soviet union was set up uh, it was set up as a series of republics and borders were drawn and Lenin was the one that actually set up these different borders and republics, including Ukraine. And this entire area has a long history of being invaded. Like if you look at the history of Ukraine, they never seem to have ever been at peace. And there is always tension on the eastern side and the western side of which way they'll go basically will they align with western democratic countries or will they align with eastern uh, you know autocratic side societies like putin and china and that has reverberated through the history of this country but especially the last 150 years and in the world, there is basically an alignment to the European countries in the United States and Western democracies, and then there is the more autocratic um, Russian society that that Putin has built over time. And in 1991, they were given their independence from the Soviet Union and wanted to set up their own self-determination. And uh, in exchange for giving up their nuclear weapons as a country, the United States promised to protect them oh if you would only know about what americans know about their government you would stop trusting them uh and so they they dearmed themselves in um in, in this agreement and russia promised never to invade them and then you fast forward to 2004 uh you you have some of you may have remembered the Uh, orange revolution in ukraine where uh, the guy's names are super similar uh, vladimir yushenko and uh, you harry do you remember his name i've got it right here but i'm not gonna look for it Uh, basically the russian puppet or the nato puppet and the nato puppet won and uh then that set off a period of back and forth between the russian aligned and the western aligned presidents uh now what is nato nato is this treaty that was formed in 1949 between all of the western countries that wanted to counter the power of the the ussr the the communist bloc and so nato since uh, really should have been disbanded in 1994 after the soviet union fell what was the point of it why continue to have it and it's a collective security agreement so if let's say estonia gets invaded by russia then the other treaty members agree to go and protect that country it's a it's a security um conglomerate and nato has been expanding its territory uh, and adding new countries including the countries that butt up right against russia they've they're up to 30 different countries now and ukraine belarus and uh, i think um a couple other countries are are on the table at all times to join NATO, which is something that the Russians don't like. The Russians essentially uh, have been invaded through their history. There's a long flat plain between Western Europe and Moscow, and it continually gets invaded. And so they have a very vested interest in keeping their borders secure. They want that buffer zone. And they, uh, Lushenko, thank you, Emily. And so, This has been a provocation to Putin. Now, would Putin have invaded Ukraine with or without NATO? I think so. Because Putin, at the end of the day, like I told you in 2014 or 2013, that Putin is a dictator. He poisoned that Ukrainian Orange Revolution leader. He's poisoned his dissidents. Any libertarian worth their salt, if they were in Russia, would be poisoned, jailed, or killed. Uh, And... It is he is an enemy of freedom in all ways, shapes and forms. Uh, So now that now I open it up to the panel now that we kind of have our history lesson of what's gone on. Um, Putin, at the end of the day, wants to reinstate imperial Russia, not the not the Soviet Union. He wants to instate the 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 czarist Russia. He loves the czars. That's why everything's gold with him. Uh, And that includes, by the way, Helsinki, Finland, Warsaw, Poland. Uh, So I don't think... I mean, Mac, you followed this stuff for a long time. I I was never under the impression that he was going to stop in Crimea. In Ukraine, there's two different regions that have been uh, aligned with Russia that have a large Russian population. The Russians in the Ukraine make up 20 about 17 percent of the country the rest is largely ukrainian they're two different cultures they're not the same thing uh two different languages two different separate cultures and the russians inside these two disputed regions want to align with russia and they have continually had they've had elections but the elections have not necessarily been uh free and fair there is also a large amount of Nazis that are there fighting for the Ukrainian national, uh, uh, you know, sovereignty. I guess is the word. So, um, Mac, I mean, I have no question for you. Just give your thoughts on what I said. I, I said a lot there, and I know that you probably heard stuff that you'd like to articulate on.
0: I just fairly good uh, rundown of the you know the brief overview of how we got to where we're at uh, you know the that eastern part of Ukraine it butts up right against Russia um, the Russian Empire the Czarist nation as a whole sort of has its roots in Ukraine Ukraine's kind of seen in Putin's eyes I think is sort of the jewel of the former Soviet states that he'd like to reincorporate under the Russian flag um, it is it gets dicey. Uh, when it comes to differentiating Ukrainians and Russians, because there's an ethnic element to it that is sort of hard to decipher from American perspective, especially. We think of colors more than, you know, regions and tribes, like the East still really does, especially the Middle East, which is, you know, a whole other can of worms. But um, yeah, uh, even during that 2014 invasion a lot of ukrainian forces that were unprepared for what was happening um from the you know the sort of western side the nationalist side that was not in the breakaway region that was going into the these breakaway regions to restore order just laid down their weapons because they were being confronted by ukrainian citizens that were saying hey no you know stop this you're firing you're you're basically threatening your own people here and and, um they weren't willing to you know, shoot civilians essentially. So they just kind of abandoned their armored vehicles. And I think that footage is still in the, a lot of that vice series, the dispatches from Ukraine. Yeah. Um, you can see that where they just lay down there. They basically invented, abandoned, abandoned their weapons and armored vehicles. Okay. This is weird. I don't, you know, I think a lot of them were confused about the situation and not sure. Um, it wasn't as clear cut, I think, to a lot of the forces of, whose side they were on or why they're fighting. And I'm seeing some interesting things like that with the Russians and the Ukrainians. Um,
2: There's been a couple uh, videos that I've seen where Russian soldiers were like, wait, we're fighting the Ukrainians? That's not why I came here, um, which has happened a lot in Soviet history. So there was something called the Minsk, Minsk Agreements, which is in Belarus, and and Germany and France moderated the Minsk protocols between Russia and the Ukraine uh, over the regions Donetsk and Lushank, uh, uh Luhansk, is, excuse me, uh, I've got a cold and my face isn't working right today. Um, and that was in September of 2014, trying to mediate some agreement. And then there was Minsk II, And the Russians have now said, we were never actually a party to that. But it basically was negotiating the ceasefires between the Ukrainian uh, army and the people that have basically been fighting in these two regions. The Russians are an avowed neo-Nazi group, the Avos, uh, which like you read their history, you read about them. They are an actual neo-Nazi group. And so when when Putin is talking about how they're going to denazify Germany or denazify uh, the Ukraine, that's what he's talking about. And they're a pretty violent group, but there's like 400 of them. Uh, And they say that only 20% of them are neo-Nazis. So it's a little bit of Russian propaganda to say that it's all, uh, that they're only fighting Nazis in the country because there's thousands of people fighting. There's been hundreds of people that have been killed in this region from 2014 on. There has been constant uh, skirmishes and tensions in these two regions. And everybody thought that Putin would invade that one region. Uh, and instead, he invaded the entire country. Uh, and I should say that um, Escalja brings up a good point. And Harry, maybe you can weigh in on this. He also annexed Georgian territory. If you remember Saakashvili back in 2008, uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to argue that's about NATO encroachment. Doesn't Putin's argument that he's fighting the NATO encroachment when he invades Georgia, not a, not a NATO member, Belarus, not a NATO member. Ukraine, not a NATO member. Doesn't his argument that this is about the West kind of fall apart when he's invading non-NATO territories? Why wouldn't he take them on directly?
4: exactly and he's also gone after indirectly like in Kazakhstan by sending peacekeeping yeah. troops in to help like to put down like riots that possibly if he had started well, that's like, what he's saying yeah he's,
2: he, he, these are peacekeeping missions Harry he's saving them right. from the genocide that's happening in, in the these two regions when there's no genocide taking
4: place correct and, when, and the Kazakhstan people just want to try to get their uh, just they just want free elections away from like Russian interference and that's what they're like rioting about and this is this is like in Kazakhstan is a landlocked country Part part of the old Soviet bloc of like countries over there, so so like it's not like oh NATO's getting close to them, like how how they're, they're, they're stuck over there on the other side. You know? Trisha,
2: it's it, you want to weigh in here? You're muted, Trisha. You're muted.
4: Wow. <laughs> that's not, that's not a real podcast. So oh, for yeah!
1: Look at that. Oh, the girl had tech issues and my tech issue was I didn't hit unmute. Um, <laughs> yeah. So a little bit about um, that NATO situation. I think that um, NATO gets dangled over Ukraine's head a lot. And obviously I don't think it's ever going to happen. Like, oh yeah. You know, um, they're going to, you know, join forces because everybody else has to, you know, vote besides the United States that they get to be a part of it. But I do think there is a little bit of merit to that. And the fact that it's more NATO friendly, those countries are, I don't know if that um, means a lot uh, as far as like them advancing against NATO forces. But I think a a lot of what's happening right now, um, as far as Russian propaganda, a lot of it actually is there some of what Putin is saying is rooted in truth, but there's an ulterior motive, like you said, like obviously, you know, fighting 400 neo-Nazis really wouldn't, you know, require invading all of Ukraine. So I, I always think that truth here is somewhere in the middle and it's not good guy, Ukraine, freedom, free elections, bad guy, Putin, evil Russian propaganda. I think it's somewhere in the middle.
2: Yeah. It's really hard not to get drawn into this kind of stuff. Like the ghost pilot, I don't know if uh, (laughs) like the the first ace in the 21st century who shot down six Russian planes. uh, Russia today, so take this with a big grain of salt. When RT is reporting that that whole uh, you know, so basically these this ship pulls up to this island where 13 Ukrainian soldiers are defending it, and they have this long diatribe about how you need to surrender because we're going to kill you, and you hear audio of one of the guys go should i tell them to fuck off fuck you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they all got killed Well, russia today is saying that that's a made-up story or you watch um the ukrainian president in stark contrast to our own president be virile and young and uh well-spoken and uh, articulate and you go, wow, this is a great leader. And I'm not taking that away from him. I think he's he's an impressive person. He's, you know, the the United States is like, please come, we'll save you. And he's like, I need ammunitions, not a ride. Uh, a, a lot of that stuff, you have to look at it like propaganda. This is Ukraine trying to recruit the West to get involved in their fight. Just as Putin is saying to, you know, people in America through Russia today, You know, we are, we, this is Russian territory, here's the history. He gives this hour-long speech basically full of um, twisted, incorrect history. Talks about genocide, how they're just saving the Russians. You know, we're just going to Anschluss, Austria, and we need to save the Germans that are being persecuted in in the Sudetenland. And that's all we're going to take. Don't worry about it. Um, Both of these sides want to pull you in, Tricia. They want you to, in, and the United States wants you to take the Ukrainian side, including the media, because we have access to all of their media and access to none of the Russian side.
1: Uh, disclaimer, I do have some friends that actually work for RT. <laughs> so oh. I'm that crazy. I'm, I'm that crazy lunatic.
2: I, I um, watched it the other night. I was like, well, this is backwards. <laughs>
1: well, no, you know what? So, so some of their stuff is good, just like anything. Yeah, You know, yeah. The, the funny thing is we, you know, watching, you know, this play out on a world stage, want good guys and bad guys. And that just doesn't exist in the world. Everybody's a little bit of both some more than others, you know, Mm -hmm. and obviously aggression can be met with self-defense. I believe in that, but um, as far as like the Putin speech, so I finally did get a chance to listen to it. And like, not all of it was garbage. I think it was painted and portrayed as garbage. He talks a little bit about the history of Russia and the genocide that happened there and the fears of it and protecting their people. And I think that there's some truth to that. Now, is he using that to twist, you know, to chime up, you know, propaganda and, and get people behind, you know, invading Ukraine and invasion is a really strong word, um,
2: it's not a strong <laughs> word in this case, Tricia. Um, Vladimir okay, Putin okay. is an evil human being that invaded I, a sovereign country. I don't country.
1: disagree. I'm not I'm not one of those people that's a Putin sympathizer like at all. Right. I'm not a fool. That's We'll leave
2: that to the Mises no, Caucus guy next. Yeah. And yeah. I well Chanks I was actually, a car?
1: I was actually going to defend Biden a little bit. So this oh, might boy. really get the Mises Caucus right. guy. Dennis, where are you? <laughs> I I would say that one good thing that Biden did, and I think it's really important, uh, it was saying that we're not going to put boots on the ground. I think that's really important. And that was a strong statement. And he should have said it. And we need to not give them weapons. He did talk about giving them a humanitarian support, and that's fine. Don't give them weapons and don't put boots on the ground.
2: Should Uh, we allow the Ukrainian government to buy weapons from our weapons manufacturers? No. Okay. Mac, what do you think?
0: I don't know. Well, that specifically, I say free market. You know, whatever whoever buys, you know,
2: full I, an, I, full I, and cap and ch- yeah. I mean, I, I, listen, so the child soldiers here. in Ukraine need as much <laughs>
0: ammunition as possible. I, I am an anarchist, number one. I, I am not going to speak for the whole Mises Caucus. Oh, so we're I'm, just teasing you. Yeah, I don't. I, know, yeah. I just want to make sure that people listening, I am not a. I'm not an ambassador. I actually wasn't even going to bring that up at all but um you're a very reasonable
2: kinda... person because you and i talk all the time your friends you're willing to associate yourself with us uh you, yeah. you're going to be canceled for this but oh, I'm, I'm, mac is a I'm great fine. guy and i've known mac forever and uh i'm he's been on the show i think actually once before i interviewed yeah. you the thing but yeah yeah no, we're teasing him no, about the Mises caucus thing where no, i just
0: yeah we're... i just wanted to make sure i was like hey I'm, I'm not uh i'm not the ambassador here i'm not the emissary that has been set. i am just uh you know associated with them i am an organizer um <laughs> the i want to circle back to the the georgia thing and the the nato thing a little bit because, um, yes they they were not nato nations and they were not r- that close to joining but they were close they were in talks and from a strategic standpoint it's if you're looking, if you're Putin and you're thinking, I want to reunify the Russian people, because in his mind, at least what he's projected outwardly. And he stated he wrote a blog post, I think, like in 2004 or something. I can't remember the exact date, but he kind of goes over this about very romantic idea of the Russian people and the unification. The West has driven a wedge between our people and divided up all the nations to weaken the Russians because he doesn't, you know, it's this, this this ethnic thing versus country thing. um. But from a strategic tactical standpoint, you kind of want to invade a country before they join NATO, because if they're in NATO already, they're obligated under Article 5. It's like an immediate like, well, we signed the agreement. We got to go versus if they're a friendly of NATO, like right now is a perfect example. Everybody in NATO is like, "Eh." because if one single NATO country gets involved in interfering with Ukraine and Russia, then they all like it's World War Three.
2: Art- Article five is the you probably heard about it under Trump because he said in some cases he wouldn't defend NATO he wouldn't trigger Article five which is the hey you come in our country we have got to defend you it's been it's been triggered with nine uh, eleven so it's kind of like the how I'd put it is the military arm of the UN <laughs> like the the really hardcore defensive arm uh, and it is not something that is offensive uh even though putin would argue that it is um but yeah if they if they were to invade latvia or estonia or poland then the united states would by law be forced into uh, you know an, an action um right. and so you don't want this to escalate i i i don't know that i'm as hardcore statist as trisha is on this uh and uh, uh harry we've got several comments here that don't sell guns to that group sounds a bit status but whatever so trisha doesn't does well doesn't i'm support Ukrainian the united Celtics? states
1: government selling weapons that they got from taxpayers you know like and, and sending them over i'm against them selling weapons uh in the middle east to saudis i yep i don't think that's statist at all is, is that crazy
2: harry is that statist
1: of her now, if it was Elon Musk and he wanted to do it, I mean, if he didn't take so many government subsidies, I'd say go for it, I guess. First, I don't know.
4: First off, <laughs> an Elon Musk weapon would be terrible because the moment it broke break down, you couldn't get parts for it. <laughs> it, you know, couldn't get an update. It'd be yeah. a piece of junk just sitting Nowhere there. Nowhere to plug you know? it
1: in. Right,
4: yeah. <laughs> and you end up having to go grab some 30-year-old SU, you know, off the thing to shoot down some, <laughs> you know, brand new mixed, you know? what? no, 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 the, uh Yeah allowing american company or any countries to like or just not like all selling um, not restricting companies to sell armaments to people in need it's definitely needed and that happens a lot like um a lot of people wondering why india was helping out russia was like well India was in need of, like, desperate need of MiGs and naval weapons to deal with China, because China's been shooting and doing that on their border. China has been acting to India like it's their Ukraine, so Russia had to sell them a bunch of weapons to calm that stuff down. So, like, you know, sorry, I'm a little soft on Russia when it comes to, like, messing with China. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Russia,
2: to me, is, like, a junior actor in this. You know, I don't think there's any any, um, missed... Communication here when Putin goes to the Olympics, sits in the box with Xi Jinping, Mm -hmm. the president of China, you know, Jinping probably told him, all right, yeah, you can invade. We know you're going to get hit with sanctions. We'll keep your lines of credit open, uh, you know, but do it after the Olympics. What's interesting is now all of the people like like, during the uh, UN Security Council meeting yesterday, there was a vote to you know to tisk tisk russia and china abstained from the vote when they were expected to vote for russia and this is a pattern that is happening with a lot of putin's allies right now orban and hungary said that they are not going to block any sanctions against russia uh, kazakhstan said that they're not going to send troops those are two russia aligned um the the french Held a supply boat in the English Channel today. Which, if you look at Russian media like Tass, T A S S, it's that's that's the lead story. Is the French have seized this boat? Look, our our uh, it, this is righteous. Look at the Western aggression, um, which is why it's so important for the United States not to get involved because the Russian people are are protesting, the oligarchs are being personally sanctioned. And the second the United States takes military action, all of that momentum from Putin's allies that are putting pressure on him and all of the Russian people that are speaking out against this. I have several ties into Russia and had them scan feeds and send me screenshots. And it's overwhelmingly negative against this action within Russia. Uh, And it's very unpopular. But the second we take action, that will end. And it will draw us into a larger conflict. And sometimes the best course of action is to not do anything. And if you act because you want to solve the problem because you're upset watching the news over a territory that you didn't know existed until three days ago, it's not wise, right? So does anybody want to uh, give me kudos and, and say, gosh, Chris, you're exactly right based on historical facts and figures, Tricia?
1: Yeah, I want to say that I it was so unlikely that the United States would actually put boots on the ground in Ukraine, defending Ukraine. It it would make no logical sense. How can
2: how can he pull us out of Afghanistan and say we're never doing that again? And within six months go, never mind.
1: Yeah. And it's just a war that wouldn't really be won. Not that not that we don't do those, right. but it, <laughs> I think on on a lot of fronts, um, it, it's it's not like going to war in the Middle East where the information doesn't get out the same way, right? Um, these are developed countries, and okay. Russia has a lot of resources where you can you know you can do what you want to a, a couple poor Middle Eastern company or countries when you've got Saudis behind you. It wouldn't be the same thing there. It would just I I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Anybody else want to weigh in on what happens if the United States gets involved?
4: Well, you were also really right. Gary? It's the, uh, you, you're you forcing, like the way you, China does, if China voted to go with Russia, they will end up like losing a little bit of face on this one. And then it's very, Xi Jinping is on very rocky ground, anyways, trying to become dictator for life in China, anyways. You know, he's trying to gather votes. And inside of china so he's fighting that battle there and if it lose face again inside of china because they backed russia and they don't end up winning on that or on that first on the world stage well you know like everyone thinks like like china's like some like this like among chinese party but no there's fractions are happening in there and she just can't afford to you know go along with him right there at that point mac Yeah.
0: yeah and this is complete talking out of my butt but i think it's a kind of a win-win for china with with russia they're not outwardly supporting them they're not outwardly rebuffing them either to a certain mm-hmm. degree i think if russia succeeds they have a ally that is now bolstered in their strength a little bit they, they'll be pretty weak financially for a while uh, but they will have basically in lockstep another country that they can say look look what they just did you know like the but right now Russia is, and I have a theory about what's going on and we can maybe touch on it later about what's actually going on on the ground, but Russia's faltering a little bit. And I think that's worrying the allies where they're saying, mm, Russia yeah. might lose this and we don't know if we want to throw our hat in the ring with them right now.
2: Well, China also is watching the West's resolve and NATO's resolve in regards to an invasion of Taiwan. Because if the world doesn't stand up, and, and doesn't fulfill its promises aka the United States for guaranteed security, then he takes Taiwan instantly, but yeah, the russians uh Mac, I'm watching some of this stuff in telegram channels and on Twitter, like you. I don't know how much you know Reinhold is joining us, and Harry and Trisha, like how much you're watching. I'm wildly surprised at how janky the Russian military equipment looks, how. Poorly, they're doing the Ukrainian government, which you have to take with a big grain of salt, says that 2,000 soldiers have been killed and all this equipment has been destroyed. Uh, which America lost 2,500 soldiers in Afghanistan over 20 years, so 2,000 soldiers in an action like this in three days is a lot, if that is a true number. Um, so I'm surprised at how like kind of anemic they are. Uh, well, yeah,
3: well, okay go ahead reinhold don't mind. um part of the reason why they're seeming anemic is because they don't have the, the people the 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 people who are fighting the 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 armies the the actual boots on the ground they're not like committed to this this isn't yeah. like the, the you know the ukrainians are defending their home they're defending their people their neighbors their lives and they're fighting they're going to fight to the okay. death whereas yeah. Russia, the russian guys are just coming in. They're like, we don't really want to be here. We don't think this is right. You know, most of them probably aren't agreeing with us mm-hmm. and they're just, and they're seeing what's happening and they're having second thoughts. And And it's, it's kind of like how when the United States went to Vietnam. The people who are fighting there didn't have any stake in that. They didn't yeah. want to be there. They were just trying to survive. Right. So um, the people in Vietnam were defending themselves to, you know, strong. That's why they were able to hold them off as much as they were at the time. So here is the same thing. They're, they're, um, they're running into that issue. Plus the fact that Ukrainian um, defenses are fairly good. The, uh, the stinger, you know, the anti-missile stuff that they have, the anti-tank stuff that they have is, is really doing a good job defending and taking out a lot of the, the Russian equipment that, you know, the Russian, the Russian equipment, they, they put some stuff on their tanks to, uh, prevent anti-tank fire from damaging them hmm. and it's not helping it's they're just going right through it with with the uh the weaponry that they have now and and um it's it's just a it's just a case where i think putin kind of thought he would be able just to roll right in it well so
2: i saw on sky news which is on pluto tv it's a british channel i think it's a rupert murdoch company um infinitely more informative than cnn you watch cnn and it's just total garbage right now you don't learn anything you just get feelings that's the thing about fox and cnn you get a lot of feelings but you don't really get a lot of information um but one analyst was basically saying that putin thought that he'd be welcome like like in the Anschluss when hitler went into austria and you see the videos of all the germans waving and cheering because he's he's come to save us He's not. That has not happened in the two regions that he invaded. It has not happened across the country. He's been met with citizens with Molotov cocktails. I mean, Mac, this is maybe a time to talk about the crazy psycho behavior of Ukrainians. Uh, Like the old lady walking up to the two soldiers to hand them seeds saying, plant these in your pocket so when you die you can sprout some sunflowers and provide something of value to our country or the guy running up and like hitting a tank with his shoe and then the tank veers towards him and he doesn't even flinch or the guy getting run o- like this is just these people. Um, these people are crazy. They're who Americans think they are, who they want to be, <laughs> but are not. Yeah. Exactly
3: right. Yeah. Yeah. They,
0: they are based. I mean, if you think about it, that, that whole region is, is like war is just like apple pie, you know, that's, that's, it's in their blood. They've done it forever. Um, but Literally. yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's the whole Russian empire, you know, starting out in, in Kiev and expanding outward from there, um, you know, the, the interesting thing, and I agree with, with Reinhold, I think there the Russian troops generally don't have the same moral backbone to the, their fight. I also am seeing a pattern emerge from the intelligence I'm gathering on Twitter. And I know that sounds weird, but Twitter is actually one of the best. Places for aggregating on the ground live accounts of stuff, um, you know. And Chris, you've seen like I'm flooding people's feeds, and, and I'm sure I'm annoying a bunch of people. Me too. But,
2: What's your Twitter handle?
0: Uh, Anarch Actual and A N a-, a-, a R C H A C T U A L. Um, but what I'm seeing is a pattern of some of these Russian troops that are being captured. They're they're like fresh conscripts. Like, they just got out of basic. They just learned how to drive their machinery and operate the guns. You know, these are 17, 18, 19-year-olds. These are not seasoned veterans. And the other thing is that they're behaving like that, and it's really strange to see them. I just posted a clip this morning or retweeted a clip this morning of a Russian uh, Tiger, which is like an equivalent of an American MRAP, if you're familiar with that, the upgraded mm-hmm. version of the Hummer um, Humvee. And it's coming in contact with a, what appears to be, at least to me, a Ukrainian um, Stella 10, which is a service to air missile armored vehicle. Um, If you're on the ground, there's not, unless it runs you over, like it did that one guy, a Stella 10 is not going to do much. You know, it's got to have, try to fire it up close. There's, There's different precautions and things that they have set up. So it's not really designed to engage ground targets. It's designed to engage aerial targets, but, these Russian guys are, you know, they're, they're coming at each other. The Russian guys are going up and then they stop and they start reversing. They're like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. It's like, you know, you're so untrained or inexperienced. You don't realize that can't do anything to you. I mean, yeah. Okay. Back away and go away, but it's not going to, it can't cause any damage. So they just open fire with their 50 cal or whatever they have um, mounted on that Tiger. And it, of course it's an armored vehicle. So it didn't really do anything. And the Ukrainian uh, Stella 10 just goes right past it. Um, and then. Brody in Western Ukraine, about 103 kilometers north east of uh, Lviv or Lvov. Um, some random uh, Russian troops tried an assault there where it's like they're way behind enemy lines. They had no support and they just got wiped out and chased into the trees by Ukrainian helicopters and a bunch of Ukrainian soldiers out there. So they're doing a lot. And then, the, then of course, the tanks are running out of gas. You know, that video mm-hmm. of that guy going up to the tank that's broken down on the highway. He's like, oh, what's going on? The Russians are like, oh, we ran out of gas. He's like, oh, I get to help tow you back to Russia if you want, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's like, like 200 miles of interstate between Belarus and Kiev. And <laughs> the, the Ukrainian military is being successful in blocking a lot of these routes and cutting off supplies and starting to starve out some Russian soldiers. But they're also taking a heavy beating in Kiev, um, and I would, I would be surprised. The way that a lot of this stuff works a lot of times is you get the initial contact. It gets you know you get the Ukrainians. The Russians made a mistake in not taking out U- Ukrainian. Like they are the second largest military. They could have sent rockets into every air and naval installation in the country. Bombed every single one of those and then gone in. And that was what everybody expected if it was going to be a full scale invasion like this. And instead, they didn't do that. And so now they're taking heavy losses. And but Russia has 900,000 troops that they can call up. They have 1,300 tanks. They have. an infinitely larger military than the Ukraine that they can bring in. And if this continues, if this goes on, if there's not a peace agreement in the next week or two, then Russia can send in those those Chechen troops, which are are going in for peacekeeping uh, and are known for being brutal. Uh, They can send in more military, more tanks, especially if Putin starts to be perceived in the world as if he's losing. Um, mm-hmm. he is like five foot four. He, he has little man syndrome. He's not going to tolerate that. Uh, and he's, he's gambling at all on this. So if he looks like he's losing, it may start to, to amp up. I would bet that Kiev is, it's being surrounded. It's on three fronts right now. Another big offensive tonight. They probably take the city in the next day or two. They find, I mean, this is my speculation as, as to what is going to happen in the coming weeks. They find uh, Zelensky, they kill him, they throw the country into political chaos, they lock down the country as a result, lock down the borders, which is why everybody's fleeing, lock down the Ukrainian media, stop all of the video from leaving Ukraine. They've shut down in their own country access to Facebook in Russia, Uh mm-hmm. i I went to look at some putin speeches today and their website for the kremlin was down and so you're gonna have harry i think a country that's in political chaos and a puppet government instituted he's already got some successors picked out that he wants as as president and that'll probably happen pretty quick
4: exactly and you could see the steps made by putin like uh going back and because hindsight is 2020 um of because at the start of the new year everyone watched um Russia's crackdown on on the Tor network of getting rid of the onion routers. Basically, a lot, It's if if someone was sitting there on the on the network on the on the side of the Russian internet, like, hey, we're gonna block these things. Are going to go with DNS. You don't know the only other way yet. Yeah, would try to use Tor, and that and Russia started crack on that down on that but they're trying to explain for other different reasons and now it's like oh this is to stop other information getting it out they started it then because doing it now it'd be too late but then they could get ahead of the game they get ahead of the game so only like the people who are really into it are getting information in and out once they start the, the crackdown on the internet inside of Russia.
2: Yeah, and then you inter, enter a period of long, protracted warfare. You enter into a period, which is why they're handing out 10,000 machine guns to people, creating yeah. Molotov cocktails and filling them with Styrofoam, <laughs> because it's they know that it's going to be a long, protracted... They, they may take the country and they may install mm-hmm. a government, but it's going to be a long civil war, which it's already Absolutely. been a long, simmering civil war for basically the entire history of this country. Uh, We're just putting our view on it in the middle of
4: it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if Taiwan is watching this thing happen and watching this play out, you probably should change your uh, stance on um, um, civilian weapons ownership at this point. Did they not allow it it in Taiwan? No. Civilian ownership. Yeah. No, you're not allowed to own a weapon uh, like a rifle or handgun for civilian ownership inside Taiwan. Yeah, I know, it sounds kooky, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, c- considering like you're on the threat of invasion, I kinda want everyone to have a rifle. <laughs> you know, just you know, take some loans out, make sure everyone's got it. But hey, that's me. I'm that kooky guy. But cause you're seeing Ukraine later passing these out. You know, that's a step. That's that could have happened a month ago. That could happen a year ago, and people can have been trained on those rifles that they already have, thinking that this is going to happen.
2: Anybody else want to weigh in on what they think is gonna happen next?
4: Mac? i will also oh i will also say this ahead, people who's trying to produce that too is that we're also going to be the rest of the world is going to be up against uh propaganda and spin the likes that we have never experienced we have used to political spin for for like elections everything else but this is war propaganda spin and from coming a uh you know like a former superpower that is used to doing something like this so if you thought the last careful. two
2: years was crazy you 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 youngins that got politically involved in the last five years don't know war propaganda like I, I, you know, like like Reinhold. I mean, imagine how many wars he's seen. But we'll we'll talk about the propaganda next. I want to finish up with what's going to happen next, Mac. Then Trisha.
0: Okay, sorry. Um, I, so, but I, I think that's a, along the lines of being correct. Although I, I'm less certain now, I, I have two theories about the potential first, second wave that Russia sent in, um, estimates is that they've only sent about half the invasion force so far. So, you know, one theory is that they sent in the, the freshies, the newbies, the cannon fodder, just to go and wear down the Ukrainians before they send in the veteran, because now they're they're the Chechens have mobilized from what I've seen They're but they're headed to the front lines from what I gather. And those guys are... As one of my friends put it, war crimes are us. I mean, those guys yep. are, are mean, mean guys. And, you know, they they're committed. And it's I they they have a higher And, and cause. you cannot
2: have the press and TikTok watching these battle hardened guys.
0: I mean, temporarily till whoever's if they see you filming, you know, you're getting roped into their sites. Um the the uh yeah, I, I that that's concerning. So my theory is that I think at least if, if I'm giving a lot more steel manning Putin's tactics here is I think he's sending, you know, he's basically trying to soften up the Ukrainian forces and wear them down uh, and then send in the real hard hitters behind, you know, all these newbies. Cause most, like I said, a lot, and I, and I know that this is somewhat skewed uh, because that's just the information I've seen. There's, I haven't seen the whole battle space, obviously, but numerous of these Russians that are captured, are just like confused and they're telling people, well, this is an exercise and I'm sure that's something they're being instructed to say to some degree, but also like you just can just see the confusion on their face. Like they're like, wait, what, you know, we're in Ukraine. Like I thought we were just, and I think they honestly believe it's a peacekeeping mission. And they're like, well, wait a minute. These civilians are, I am I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fog of war and, and like, this doesn't seem right. And they're starting to kind of it's starting to click, I think for some of them, um, so yeah, I think what ends up happening is that if that's, if that tract is correct, Kiev probably falls within the next 24, 48 hours, you know, in, in a major way, maybe not completely kind of depends. They might, Russia hasn't had a lot of practice. Um, at least these fr- troops haven't a lot of urban warfare practice. This is home turf for Ukraine. Um, you know, you can hide a lot of javelin missiles in those buildings and take out armor as they try to you know, weave their way through the, the cities. Um, The civilians that volunteered took out a lot of, of armored guys coming in that were supposedly special forces, but they might've been one of those weird police brigades that like broke off randomly. There's a lot of weird chaos in the Russian troops that are just, no, I can't explain what they're doing. I think it's, uh, the only thing that makes sense is that he just Putin decided to send people that don't know what they're doing just to, cause chaos and wear the crane down but yeah they're gonna have this is like their afghanistan part two after they did in afghanistan the first time i think
2: yeah this is gonna play differently in the world uh you're watch i i kept hearing on sky tv you know it just looks like world war ii they live in cities like us they look like us like the world has really watched a lot of small villages being bombed in faraway remote places like in you know in like with muslims living in them right and trisha this is going to be the first war on tiktok where two white christian nations are fighting each other and that's i think going to hit differently for a lot of people who couldn't connect to the muslim experience through the uh, terror wars
1: I definitely agree, um, echoing a little bit of what Could, Mike said. Couldn't
2: or wouldn't connect, well, I should say, Trisha.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, like I was saying, they're, they're more developed countries. And so, obviously, you know, we're not going to watch a TikTok video of a grain silo in Yemen being bombed or a hospital. right? You know what I mean? So, um, but I keep thinking that it doesn't make a lot of sense that Russia would go in um, and just – be so unprepared and not have quite a mission. Like you said, running out of gas, like to me, that doesn't make sense. Um, And there has to be an explanation behind it. And I hadn't heard um, what Mike had said about some soldiers saying, Oh, this is a training exercise, which obviously, you know, they could be coached to say that, but it seems like it's disorganized for a reason. Um, So maybe we all, you know, Hey, look, Ukraine is, you know, doing wonderful. And Russia really overestimated themselves and they have hubris or we're all falling into some kind of trap. I don't know. It it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, which leads me to believe that something else is going to happen. Um, But yeah, it, will be strange to watch it. Uh, You know, even when we went through the Iraq war in Afghanistan, we really didn't have the same social media that we have now. Um, At least at the beginning of the war, Um, you know, developed over 20 years, but uh, I, I think it'll be interesting. And to watch people identify with people more and see their reactions which actually makes me really sad
2: which you should so. then and i bring this up because you should and then impose those emotions on people in yemen
1: <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> because they're going through the same their thing. children are dying because they're they're they have diarrhea they're dying of diarrhea because there's no clean water and it's a very curable thing you know yeah. and, and it's just it's it's heartbreaking but you know if we can't see it and we don't identify with those people you know And a celebrity doesn't sing a song about it.
2: (laughs) By the way, 9 p.m. tonight on my Facebook, I will be debuting my poem for peace. So please (laughs) tune in. I just want to make this all about me. That's what's important. Reinhold, how do you think this plays out?
3: Uh, I think this plays out where one of two ways. One is the Ukrainians can put up a good defense. Uh, I think Kiev may fall, but I think you're going to find that most of the leadership have Kind of skedaddled a little bit to better places to kind of defend and and let them just keep trying to find them, um
2: because if if Zelensky, if Zelensky dies, that's the mm-hmm. decapitation of the government. You you have no elected a government at that point, and you'd have to hold yeah. But it doesn't elections. it
3: doesn't turn it doesn't turn to Ukrainians going oh I guess we just mm-hmm. lost and we'll give up. That's not going to happen. They're going to try to you know, fight to put somebody else back in of their making. Cause that's, that's what they fought for years ago anyway. Right. So they wanted, they wanted to have the people in charge, be the people they wanted to be in charge, not somebody's puppet. So they're really strong about that in, in their, in their views. So I, I think what's going to happen. So if that happens and then there's just more negative, you know, press and, and positioning and everything else through the, through the uh, world stage, I, Putin's going to have to think about whether he needs to want to continue doing this or not. What's the what's the uh, ultimate benefit doing it? Because once he gates it, once he gets Ukraine, he's going to still have resistance fighting there a lot. And if he does actually take over Ukraine, I've got a feeling that there's some countries next door to Ukraine, like Poland and some others, who are going to demand that they do something about it. That's that's what
2: I don't. It. That's why I don't understand why he did it because. Why would you sign up for long protracted warfare with a people that are are battle hardened and crazy and w- fully stocked think. with weapons?
3: Yeah, he had to somehow believe that the people in Ukraine wanted him to do this.
2: I mean, the the, oh, I mean, se- the one of the impeachments of Trump was because he was withholding military aid to the Ukraine. Like you watch these videos, Mac, and they're all American weapons. Like they're they're not fighting with sticks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so let's finish here uh we're almost out of time so i'm going to ask each of you what should america do about this and how should we keep our head on a swivel to avoid being propagandized and being sucked into being afraid let's start with trisha
1: yeah i think um being propagandized and you know getting the American people to want a war, which I don't think that we would, we would go, you know, put boots on the ground, American (laughs) military boots on the ground. Um, I I don't think that's wise. I'm not really sure what the hell people are thinking when they're, you know, glamorizing this war because everybody's like, I feel so bad for them. I'm going to pray for those people. And then, you know, they're, making up myths about ghost planes and things like that. Cause war's not pretty. Um, and it's not an adventure and it's not something cool. And it's not for, you know, Chad's to do. It just really hurts a lot of people. And, and um, generations after generations uh, they, you know, they lose life culture, wealth. Um, and so I think it's really important to stand back and just know that no matter how much you feel like you want to go aid somebody that is being invaded regardless of knowing a, a lot about the situation or not, it's never going to do anything that's going to be helpful. Um, you know, it. you can't say, oh, somebody's got to do something. That's always, whenever somebody says that, they end up doing something that in the end hurts other people. So whether your intentions are good, it doesn't really matter because good intentions, um, you know, they can easily lead to hell. And as, as we can see, you know, throughout history and war and getting ourselves involved in conflict. So I just think it's really good to remain calm, you know, not be like, so, Oh yeah, let's go get them. You know, I'm going to send Kyle Rittenhouse over with a gun. It's like, are you an idiot? <laughs> I just, I really, I really hate that propaganda and I really hate the, the, the onus on us to do something somewhere else in the world.
0: Mac. Uh, I agree. I mean, despite our previous, you know, part of me thinks it sucks that we keep doing this to the Kurds, the Ukrainians, to all these people who make these promises. You know, I told someone the other day, it's like, if you trust the U.S. government and you don't have any nukes, you should stop that immediately. I mean,
2: when when all else failed last year, the best they could do is twelve hundred dollars. They can't even help their own people. They're not coming to help you. Stop trusting these people. I didn't get my
1: twelve hundred (laughs) dollars.
2: It, dcs your local school the american military they they really care they honestly do but they just can't do anything for you if you're the yeah. president of another country listening to this program they can't do anything for you stop believing them
3: yeah unless, unless you have ceo of a multinational corporation they can do something for you though
0: yeah yeah oh well, a ceo with nukes that'd be really NCAP based but no uh Go ahead. i think you know i think I agree. We need to break the cycle. I mean, it sucks being, that having to say, sorry, Ukraine, we, we told you, you could get rid of your nukes and then we'd defend you. But, but I think if we keep, we keep, we can't keep doing this as a, as a country, at least I say, we, I'm not doing anything, but the, the government can't keep doing this to its people because we're extracting the wealth and lives of our citizens and others by making all these promises. You know, we tell Libya we're cool. And then it's like, actually, uh, yeah, we're going to. We're, gonna, we're not so cool anymore. We don't like you anymore. I know we used your black sites to, uh, you know, take people out and and, and, and torture them. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the, the pure ANCAP, libertarian, whatever it means, like we, we need to not even – and I I agree. So w- what Tristan said earlier, I, I don't think that the U.S. government should be supplying any arms. If Ukraine wants to buy them from Boeing or Raytheon themselves, I think whatever like we shouldn't block that. But yeah, as far as spending taxpayer money and of course they're heavily subsidized so it's like you can't untangle this whole wide world's a big entangled mess of of BS, but yeah, I I say you know, bring our folks home. Let's maybe worry about our own stuff for a little while and 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 you know, if we have to if we're going to be spending all this money, I'd rather spend it on our defense. I don't think you know, Russia's proving right now that they would be Cuckoo to try to do a land invasion to the United States, because that's I mean, they're they are invading a, a country about the size of California in both population and landmass with like a tiny fraction of California's GDP and
2: having you know, trouble,
0: <laughs> having some issues. Um, so, uh, you know, U.S. needs to I would say for the propaganda thing, don't be so scared. I mean, look at look at the actual geography and, and logistics. Logistics is a huge thing. And Russia can't keep fuel in their tanks. I mean, literal tanks. They can't keep their, their troops supplied with food. They're breaking into grocery stores because they're hungry. Um, you know, they're tired. They're just abandoning armor and weapons on the on the highways of Ukraine because they're like, eh, it's out of gas. There's no gas stations to fuel my tank. And I don't want to get shot. So Much captain. like so the
2: pandemic. Just- the pandemic should be instructive for each and every one of you. Oh, my God. This is going to be the worst thing ever but if you want to go protest for George Floyd, you're going to be fine. I guess it's not that bad. Okay. Well, yeah, I like that should have been an instructive thing. Like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh wait, this wasn't as bad as we all thought. Right. Like people do get hurt. People are there, but like that, that like sense of rising tension that is constantly there. it, 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 makes you make bad decisions and Politicians take advantage of that, and you need to watch when that tempo and the heat of a story is there, and just be calm and rational about it. If you go to Kroger, Russian troops are not going to invade and kill you for your you know, your uh, hot pockets. Reinhold, I- what should America do about this, and how do we avoid the propaganda?
3: What the United States should do about this is to provide humanitarian aid to be a force of pointing out that the propaganda that the, the right is, or the, um, the, the Russians are pushing out is Freudian slip you know, bonked. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and, and we, and, but we need to also make sure that we're not falling into any propaganda traps that we're going to provide too to try to get people ginned up to to go to war because we don't, we're not going to do that. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's the best thing for the environment for, for Ukraine is for us to have United States troops in there because then they're not defending their own country. Outside people are coming in and fighting in their lands. I don't think they would be appreciative of that either. I think they're appreciative of, um, you know, weapon assistance, uh, humanitarian assistance, things like that. That's fine. Uh, I just don't think that they want our troops there. Uh, and I, I think that would go over like a lead balloon if we did. So, um, but as far as avoiding the propaganda, you really have to, there's there's one thing that kind of irritates me about this whole thing is that, you know, people are trying to say, well, United States shouldn't have done all this stuff and and been involved in Ukraine and created this whole thing and backed the revolution or coup or however you want to compl- call it. Um, there are a lot of things the United States should not have done. And there's a lot of things that they've done wrong. But none of it validates what Putin is doing right now. Putin had there was no nothing that had, was done that was to the point where Russia needed to go in and take over that country, right? And invade. So I yeah, there's a lot of things we can sit and say about United States did wrong and we didn't help the situation and we kind of helped prolong it and put it in this this place. But at the end of the day, it's it's Putin who's being the aggressor, who's done the wrong thing, who's went over the top. And we need to keep that clear when we're discussing that. The,
2: you you time can time. be budge unashamedly anti Putin and anti war at the same time. Like yeah. we don't like I don't know. Uh I'll 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 address that later. Harry, what should America do and how do you stay uh one hundred?
4: All right. So, which is scary (laughs) thing is the afterwards thing of this whole thing is the U235 question that's on the table right now, because if you ain't got, and if you don't have, and if you don't have an agreement in paper ratified by the U.S. Congress, U.S. probably ain't got your back. And, and, uh, and it also shows that, you know, listen, like, you know, the U.S., you know, as bolster as it is, is protected by a gigantic lake, two lakes, two massive lakes, a crappy country up north and another crappy country below it. So it's really hard to get troops to it. You know, it's, you know, and it shows how hard it is to move troops. And that's why the idea of China invading Taiwan is just like, well, you know, you could send some planes over there, but you've got to get people over that awful strait of water. You know, good luck doing that. Uh, once again, thanks for the bits, Jack. Um, but, uh, I think one thing they have to do is probably get more like ratified treaties with people to get to simmer people down after this because if not how many of these countries are seeing watching this happening of having like fights with neighbors or other former superpowers that like you know what we need a nuclear program there's a lot of unemployed physicists in america we can get here to start a nuclear program and because we need one because obviously it's the only thing that kicks people down which is a terrible sentiment and and a terrible way to you know, go into this new century. Um, it's a- awful. I hate this aspect of this. Whole, you know, the the idea of it. I um, hopefully um, the United States also stay out of a land war in Europe. You know, it's uh, it's hopefully that they also don't bolster up any other countries that are NATO allies that's like, hey, you know, you know what, we've got this. Just go ahead and do this because the rope a dope punch of Russia. The idea of sending in your newbies to get Ukrainians to one wear them out. See what they have, get them to use what they, you know, the best things they have, wear them out, get them low on ammo, and then bring that that jab punch back and see if they will stretch because they're not, you know, they're fighting their military instance of civilians. They'll get out of position and out of their holes where they're stronger. And if they start going after and chasing, well, and it's going to be a different story. So I don't really see them. I don't really also recently see che- uh, Russia sending in the Chechens into Ukraine because they can't control the narrative over there. But if they keep them on the Russian side of the border to get them to outstretch out there, yeah, I can see that happening out there. So. I know, bleak, awful future that Harry thinks about when, you know, like everyone's thinking about, you know, making nuclear programs. It's going to be awful, awful, terrible.
2: So, Harry uh, Askalja says Have you seen where the Russian soldiers have been filmed mishandling Bofa? What is that? What's Bofa? No, no, no. Why did you do that?
4: Both He's of these both. nuts.
2: <laughs> uh, in terms of what we should what we should do about it, man, I don't know. I uh, I'm glad I'm not in charge. I think uh, I think it's kind of weak sauce to sanction Putin, like the guy's the richest man in the world, uh, allegedly. Uh, He knew sanctions were coming. You know, him and the foreign minister have been bleeding that country dry forever. He has open lines to to China, likely, for his personal funds. Uh, So it's at least something, I guess, uh, in terms of shutting off access to banks and banning exports to Russia. Where does the president of the United States get the constitutional authority or moral authority to tell a private company they can't exchange with other companies? But the moral thing to do is what the F1 and all these soccer folks are doing is saying, I will not work with them. I will not have my event here. I'm cutting ties. I'm cutting personal ties. Uh, that's certainly something to do in terms of cutting them out of Swift. Swift is the... the the language of banking transactions—it's—it's it's like the the code that makes my bank talk to Harry's bank. So, cutting Russians out of SWIFT means not being able to Venmo them twenty bucks, uh, and it means that if you work for a Russian company, they're not going to be able to pay you. Uh, so, it's it's uh it's easy to kind of turn off. It's very hard to turn it back on. You know, you sanctions rarely work. They've been sanctioning Putin and oligarchs for a long time, for over 10 years now. That clearly has not deterred his behavior. The Russian people have had a shrinking economy in part due to uh, to it. Iran got cut out of the SWIFT system, and they're still doing exactly what we don't want them to do as a government, right? So I don't know how effective that stuff actually is. I mean, if you're president of the United States, you got to do some phony baloney stuff. I get it, Um, but none of it's effective. None of it really works, and it hurts the poor people and the regular people of Russia. And in and in some cases, maybe that's what they need. They've chosen Putin. They've kept him in power. The people ultimately. And you could no listen. You don't want your 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 um your small business closed down. Don't close it down. If you don't want to wear a mask, stop wearing a mask. I've said this from the beginning of the pandemic. We are in charge of our government. The people rule. They they govern by tacit consent. And the more that you give people consent to to rule over you, what are you laughing at, Trisha? It's the truth. If you're Russian, go fuck Putin up. You think up.
1: those people honestly have fair elections or that anything there is not completely controlled by the state under threat of force?
2: Yeah, well, there's a lot more of them than anybody else. I
1: didn't consent to (laughs) shit.
2: Well. I
1: just, I don't, I never buy that argument. You know, you deserve what you voted for. It's not what you vote for. There's
2: thousands of people in the streets knowing that they're going to be locked up in Russia. That stuff matters. That stuff has, that is an important signal to the government where they're at. Like that stuff actually does eventually work. Like, Putin is way over his skis. At some point, the oligarchs and the people are going to overthrow this guy because he's gone too far. And well, just I kind of sitting mean, sitting, not, around saying, right. sitting around and saying, sitting around and saying, oh, gee, this is just, you know, what I, what I learned on the honeymoon, we spent four hours with a Russian couple I think I've talked about on the shows. Like, they're not in support of Putin. They just feel helpless. They feel completely disconnected from politics. They don't want to think about it. They're almost exactly like americans what am i really gonna do about it i guess i'll just let it happen to me like at some point that's the wrong fucking attitude to have about the people that rule over you get in their face get involved um they can't get away with it if we all do that thing so yeah
0: but they've spent 12 years being conditioned to to think that any step outside the bounds of authority means severe consequences so
3: and there's tool and they go out there and do that now. You look at the thousands of people out there protesting. No, I,
0: I I I kind of half agree with both sides because, you know, it works, but you have to have a pretty good consensus and I think people have to be pushed just slightly outside their comfort zone where they're pissed off for it to be able to be effective. Like you've seen with the COVID lockdowns, you know, especially with you know, like Arizona's is nice because we kind of had a little freak out for like a month and then everybody's was like, "Eh, whatever. Like we, we haven't had really any restrictions here since May of 2020. So, you know, it's hard to kind of rally any, because some of the cities like Tucson, for example, is a really liberal County and city. And they've had some, they've tried to impose local restrictions Um, and they've met some pushback, but it's also really strange because it's like patchwork, you know, but I, I, I agree with what you're saying, Chris, that it's at some point, I think it needs to be pushed back on, but I also think Trisha's right. It's like you—it's really hard to do. I mean, look at look at North Korea. Like they live on some of the most brutal conditions for decades, and there is, ain't no get uprising there? going on. In there. How does it they're propagandized
3: into thinking that's right? It,
2: it, you know? We are exactly. watching it in Canada. We're watching it in the United States. How do you get there to a hopeless place? You get because there you're born because into you the prison. You, the prison's get, all it, you know. it. Creeps. It creeps. It creeps, and you don't stand up. And when you don't stand up, it creeps to a point where it's too far. And so, you know, I'm just saying Russia, Russia,
3: get
4: the truckers together. Let's do this. Um, So you can't comply yourself out of a tyrant and also try to compare Russia to North Korea is not the same. No, completely different. Like that is that's apples to like. No, I'm not trying to make a comparison. I'm just saying
0: that's the extreme example of you're you're literally born as a child into a prison and that's all, you know, all you know is the cell walls, the literature that's Given to you, your little poster. You're not allowed to look out the window. There's no windows, really. I mean, North Korea. We we there's USB uh, USB drives and stuff get dropped and stuff like that. But I, that's just what I'm saying. It's like it's it's not quite as easy as hey guys, let's just let's just stop complying with these guys with the tanks and the guns and the people that have been telling us this narrative our whole life. You know what I mean? But
4: but you, but yeah. Even if in North Korea, like even they they rich with their like 1970s rich um comparatively who sneak over into china most of the time you know yeah. they they even they're having some grumblings and stuff that's going on stuff like through there uh it's just like you know they have like I said, it's a completely different like a barrel of oranges like with this one because it's it's a almost a different world at that point because they are so far behind everything else or everyone else around them well, Even in that whole area.
2: The, the Ukrainian people have consistently overthrown their government through the tactics of Gene Sharp, who I've talked about on the show, through nonviolent action. Uh and and it works. So and I want to say to Bessa Nova, who is a Russian who's watching on YouTube right now, we don't think about politics, we do get involved. It just doesn't work out yet. The word yet was the best part of that statement, and I want to make it clear. I love the Russian people. I've met many great Russians. I love Ukrainians. Uh, we are not at war with any of you. We want you to be happy, peaceful, pros- prosperous. We're sorry for your government being oppressive to you. Uh, we we hate it here in, in our case as well. Um, I will say on a personal note, this has taken on something... Uh, a new layer of watching the news. I, I've always loved foreign policy. It's what made me a libertarian. Uh, this past summer, we had uh, four Ukrainian orphans come and stay with my in-laws, uh, 8 to 13, 14, and came back for Christmas. And uh, they're four of the loveliest kids. They're, uh, like, Ukrainians. They 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 basically... They just beat the hell out of each other. Uh, they have the demeanor of like a Korean war vet working at an Ace Hardware. They they are like tough kids, and I know they're really scared right now. Um, they're they're uh, I'm not gonna tell you where they're at. You know they're we have intermittent conversation with them right now. They're in an orphanage that has been drained um, because people are fleeing the country and we may be in a position soon to to get those kids out and i may come to this audience and ask you to donate to help make that happen. We have been Reagan and i have been talking for months about adopting them, but we're just in a position where we can't we can't do that. We're, we're newlyweds. Um but it's like what can you do if you got the cash adopt some Ukrainian orphans right now, because there's an orphanage of newborns up to teenagers who are going to be sent to the front lines and drafted. uh, And that's one thing you can do if you have the resources. If not, I mean, what can we do real like in the face of the violent state? What can you do? You turn to humanity and that is the point of this show. You do anything you possibly can do to make the lives better of the people suffering at the hands of a government that has gone too far. And like, sorry, watch it. Like having kids uh, text you that they're like hiding under their bed is just terrible. And um. Fuck Vladimir Putin? It doesn't mean, you know, like, fuck war. It's the worst possible thing that can happen. Uh, When it comes to libertarianism, war should be avoided at all costs. That's the slogan that we should adopt. Lee writes message from 2012. I'm not at war with you. I'm not at war with a Russian. I'm not at war with, uh, you know, a liberal. I'm not at war with a conservative, Uh, Reinhold is not at war with Mises caucus Mac over here. Like we're not at war with each other. And if you continually adopt the psychology of, I am not at war with you, uh, and the great words of Lee writes, this world becomes more peaceful because then you find new means instead of turning to force to make change. So keep, keep those kids in your prayers. Um, thank you for listening to the Chris Spangle show. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, we just appreciate everybody that supports us. If you got something out of the show, please share it with your friends. Hopefully you learned something. And thank you uh, to Mac, Trisha, and Reinhold, and Harry for being with us. Thanks for joining us here on the Chris Spangle Show this week.